Hey, hey creepy, creepy crawlers. crawlers, I'm Katie. I'm Jerry. And this is Case of, of the, the Creeps. Hello, hello, and welcome back, creepy peeps, for the conclusion of Finally. Her- I know, oh God. Of Harold Shipman, Dr. Death. We don't have all too much to cover before jumping back in, either than we hope that you guys enjoyed Wizard of Oz. That was a super fun one to record, for it sure. It really was fun. There was <laughs> I, a lot I was on. laughing so hard when I was editing it, and then when I went back and listened to it after I dropped the episode, I was like, God, we are so funny. <laughs> but that was a good little bonus for you guys. We do hope that everyone had a good Thanksgiving and got to eat all of the food. Let me tell you, I was hurting the next day. Uh, I couldn't even look at food the next day. There was a lot of food. I I did the same thing that Pop-Pop did, and I messed up and got so full on all of the snacks that when it was actually time for food, I felt like I had to just force it. Down, and yeah. It was just <clears throat> like all sitting on in my throat. And I'm like, oh, I'm so miserable. <laughs> what would your favorite, what was your favorite out of everything? All the snacks, the foods, the... You already know the answer to that. Is... The, the cheese balls. The, the little Mott's balls. Oh, mine Bruh. was the salmon. Oh my God, I forgot about the salmon. How could you forget about it? That was so oh. good. Mom. Jenna's sitting there just like, you want a piece of salmon? I'll, I'll dish it I'll up for you. For you. Uh-huh. <laughs> one for me, one for you. That's exactly what she was uh, doing. Dude, it was so good. Um, I, I, you know, I did have lunch the next day and I got to enjoy that turkey that your oven refused to cook. To, it was really good the next day. It was really good. Super juicy. It was still very juicy. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, all right. It was very good, but we hope you guys enjoyed yours Thanksgiving because we definitely enjoyed enjoyed ours as well. Also, there is a possible. Oh wait, no, never mind. Tonight we are going to be closing out our part two and final part of Doctor Harold Shipman, Doctor Death. We did leave off on Harold having to go to rehab for his drug abuse and losing his job due to that. He went to rehab for two years, and during that time, surprisingly, the slew of murders during the time he was out of job also stopped. Imagine that. Hmm. The murders included that of a four-year-old little girl as well. Now, just to be clear, guys, we have a lot to cover tonight. So we are not going to be doing a recap on everything that we went over in our part one. So if you do need a refresher, because, and again, we're sorry that it did take us some time. The holiday caught us. It was really, really wild. We had... Well, we had... Pop up in the hospital. Yeah. And then I got sick after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was a lot. And there was there was a lot going on. There yeah. was the holidays, you know. So we do apologize for the delay, but we promise that we're gonna be making up for it with this next episode. These this three part episode that we're gonna be doing for you guys. We promise. But if you guys do need a refresher because of the time that it took for us to get back to you, please go back and listen to that part one before this otherwise you're going to get very lost very quick but up to this point harold had been rehabbed fired and had to start over with his wife and kids now remember his wife primmy was she came in all hot at the end of our last episode because she was like she barreled into his office at his work and was like how dare you disgrace my husband in this way he brings you so much money and they were like he's doing drugs yeah. Like, he's doing hard drugs, lady. Like, I, no. We, that's what we call a HIPAA violation, and we can't have that. So, she said, fine, screw you guys. And then after that, Harold was like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing drugs. I gotta go to rehab. That's what I was gonna say. That's when he went to rehab. Yeah. And, and then he, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make, this man was the epitome of putting that face on. Oh, yes. He, I swear, we said it a little bit in the first episode, he had so much of that Jekyll and Hyde personality, and he literally just thrived on that. Yes, and And he turned it on when needed. Yeah. When he needed to impress the right person. Yes. He was the pillar of the community. 100%. Yes. He made himself known in that way of, like, 
you can't do this without me, so I'm here to help. Yes. But on the but other then there side... there also those times where he would belittle staff because they were below him See, type. There's, like, there is the difference right there. You have it where it's with his community. It's, you can't do this without me, so I'm here to help you. Yeah. But with his work, it was, you can't do this without me. I'm here to help you. Yeah. And it I'm was, here to do this. I'm here to do this for you because you're you too can't stupid and can't do it. And that was... Smug the, asshole. For real. He... That's where that whole that switch would flip. It was yeah. it was a power control. Oh, 100%. He got his rocks off a lot to having that sense of being needed and he just took that and was like, "Well, how far can I actually push mm-hmm. this envelope?" So, 2 years later after rehab, here came the new and improved Dr. Harold Shipman, clean and ready to prove himself all over again. He was accepted into the Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde in north in the north part of England. How he readily was accepted demonstrates his absolute self-confidence, which is where that I'm here to help kind of persona comes into play again, and his ability to convince his peers of his sincerity. You can't do this, so here I am. And, and that's the smug part of it, yeah. of him being like, well... well I'm just here to help. I wonder if he's the reason we have the saying, get off your high horse. Mm, well, probably not. I think that was before him, but it certainly does stand clear with him. It does. Yeah. Now, Jeffrey, Dr. Jeffrey Moisey of the center that he got, that he was working at, explained that his approach was that I have had this problem, this conviction for abuse of pethidine, which is a type of morphine. I have undergone treatment. I am now clean. All I can ask is for you to trust me on that issue and to watch me. So, again, he played that fiddle really well of, you need me. I did what I needed to do because you need me. Now, let me do what you need me to Mm -hmm. do because you need me. Watch me. It's okay. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Help is on the way, dear. (laughs) Uh, Now, again, he played... The role of a dedicated, hardworking, and community-minded doctor. He gained his patients absolute trust and earned his colleagues respect very, very quickly. Some of those who worked under him uh, have told of his sarcastic and abusive nature, on the other hand, though. But he was skilled at masking his patronizing attitude in front of those he chose to impress. There you go. Exactly. Yes. So for any signs of addiction, there were no blackouts as before and no indication of drug abuse because he was having blackouts while on the job. And while he was seeing patients, he would just drop out. And that's when... Because he was so high. He was so high on morphine. Yeah. And he was forging patient uh, prescriptions so that he could fill them out for himself. Mm -hmm. And it was just... That's how his drug addiction and abuse really started. But after he went to treatment for two years, and at this point, he is what we like to call a functioning addict Mm -hmm. because he is able to still function and still be an addict at the same time yes. because he went on for many years like this. oh yeah oh yeah a clinical audit commissioned by the department of health estimates that his responsibility for the deaths of at least <clears throat> excuse me i apparently have a frog in my throat i don't know what's happening but yes he was responsible for the deaths of at least 236 patients over a 24 year period that's absurd those numbers is absurd just outstanding like he the man wasted no time whatsoever this audit by professor richard baker at the university of leicester examined the number and pattern of deaths in harold shipman's practice it then compared them to with those of other practitioners and there was a significant difference appeared that appeared, I'm sorry, notably that the rates of death in elderly patients were disproportionately higher for those that were under the care of Mr. Shipman. Other variations appeared, like deaths were often clustered at certain times of the day, patients' records and previous symptoms mismatched, and Shipman was usually always in attendance when that patient would die as well. So if he wasn't in attendance actually in the room with them, he was the last person to be seen mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Like, he would step out of the room and then go back in and, oh, oh they died. died. 
Like, yeah. oh, oh no. Call the coroner. Oh no. Kind of yeah. thing. Uh, now, Professor Liam Donaldson, he was the chief medical officer for the Department of Health, wrote that these factors, quote, must now be investigated by the proper legal authorities. So we have the Department of Health seeing these red flags and being like, okay, police need to be involved. Somebody needs to be involved here. But somebody dropped the ball with investigating because this went on for 24 years. This man... He coasted. He just coasted. Yes. He kept getting away with it. It's Every single awful. time. How Not, many people actually died after the authorities were I think, alerted? I think what blows my mind the most about this case in particular is that the time period that he got away with this stuff... Granted, it was in the 1990s, so when he was finally caught, but... He went under the radar for so long and never changed his method. No. He never changed Mm -mm. his method. He kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. Because that's what he was getting away with. Because that's what was working for him. Yeah. And it's Mm -hmm. like, dude, at least some people like spice up their routine a little bit. No. And he was like, no, this is, this is my routine. Most people start off. You know, with the small stuff, and then work up. gradually get to like grandiose. Mm-mm. He did what he did and never got grandiose. He was like, "Okay, so this is what I can do, and I can achieve this and kill these people, and I'm getting away with it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep, keep going, going, I'm yeah. just gonna keep going." Mm-hmm. This is when Detective Chief Superintendent Bernard Postles, who headed the original investigation, said of the report. Many of its conclusions accord with our own findings to date. He noted the death toll estimated in the audit was broadly in keeping with the number of deaths investigated by Greater Manchester Police during the course of this investigation that we're going to get into as well. Shipman continued working as a GP, which is general practitioner in Hyde throughout the 1980s and established his own practice at 21 Market Street in 1993. He named it the surgery can i just cut in for a second and say i fucking hate that name <laughs> i do it's goddamn surgery yeah bitch yeah. you ain't doing surgery no you're a general you're, practitioner you're a family doctor you're a fucking killer mm-hmm. <laughs> and surgery but he, when he did this this also helped with in like stapling that he was a respected member of the community now he has his own practice like look at him he's just climbing that success ladder he left that other practice Mm -hmm. and started the surgery the surgery yes across the street from it i know across the street like oh screw you guys Uh let me show you how it's done you needed me Uh uh-uh i don't need you you yeah you needed me i don't Mm. need you watch Matter of fact, I'm going to do it right here across the street so you can watch. Yep, and he continued with that for years. 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 Astonishing. Um, but in 1983, he was interviewed in an edition of the Granada Television Current Affairs documentary, which was World in Action, on how the mentally ill should be treated in the community. So, I mean, he's literally, like, just climbing the rungs of this success ladder. Look at me. I know everything and I'm so good and I'm so helpful to the community and everyone loves me and I am part of all of the little block parties that we have. I show my face because I have nothing to hide. Like, he played it so well. However, things did start to become uneasy in the practice when a bookkeeper for the local mortuary that went by the name of Debbie Bramboff. Now, really quick sidetrack. Shout out to Debbie. Shout out to Debbie. Yes. Because Debbie came in and was like, I'm putting my foot down. This don't look right. There's things that are wrong with this whole situation. Mm -hmm. Well, she started to notice an odd pattern and influx of bodies that were being brought to them, all with the same general practitioner, Harold Shipman, signing off on their death certificates. Now, she brought this sighting to her higher up, who was also her father, mind you, and was, owner of the business. Yeah, it was a family-run uh, mortuary. They were Amish. They were yeah. Amish. Did you see her cute little outfit? I know. She was a cute with, with her little, she had little curlies mm-hmm. in the front. I'm like, girl, get it. Just, you're killing it, Deb Deb. And her little jacket. Yeah. Mm. She was cute. 
but her um (laughs) her post jacket (laughs) don't come at us guys i'm sorry the queen's candy (laughs) (laughs) the queen's candy the queen's candy (laughs) um english candy is so good dude it really is. It have, really is. One of my old customers used, was from uh, England, and he used to bring <clears> me <throat> candy every year that he'd come over and brought you some Queen's candy. My mom was married to a guy who was from Yorkshire, England. Mm-hmm. He would go over, because he had kids over across the pond, and he would go over there and see them from time to time, and he would come back with some of the most delicious stuff. Oh, like. Man. She, he came back one time with these coconut patties that were yeah. they were chocolate on the bottom and then coconut on top. Oh my god, we were obsessed with those things. I don't do coconut. I don't know why. I like coconut water. I just don't like coconut candy. But it wasn't candy. It was shaved coconut with chocolate. Yeah, it was like an almond joy. Ugh. Oh my god, sacrilege! I don't do peppermint patties either. <coughs> <coughs> You're going to kill me. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. I ain't about either one of them. I can't believe that right now. You made me cough. Okay, anyways. Um, Now, our Miss Debbie, she brought her sightings to her higher up and her father, who was also the owner of their business, and that was Mr. Alan Massey, who was shocked, horrified, stunned, in disbelief, flabbergasted, beside because, himself. Because she was making these allegations, not only against a doctor in the community, but her doctor. Mm-hmm. That was her doctor. That was their family doctor that she was making these allegations against. Yeah. But it, she was so adamant about it that dad was like, I'll look into I'll it. I'll look into it. Just for you. Yeah. And it just goes to show that he played it so well because how could someone so loved by the community and so respected ever be capable of such a heinous crime? Like it yes. just, the num- the math wasn't mathing. Well, he went and talked to Miss Dr. Shipman. <clears throat> and he said, and be- but beforehand, he's thinking to himself, I mean, anyone can die in a chair, but there's no set pattern. And Dr. Shipman's always seemed to be the same or very similar could be sat in a chair, could be lied on the settee. I would say 90% was always fully clothed. There was never anything in the house that I saw that indicated the person had been ill. It just seems the person where they were had died. There was nothing that didn't, there was something that just didn't quite fit with all of that. But, and that was his main going of like, okay, well, my daughter is seeing this pattern and we work in this business, so, I mean, we see a, a bunch of really odd cases, and, like, this this is just, something's not, the math ain't mathin'. Mm-hmm. So, worried enough to voice his unease, Mr. Macy decided to confront Shipman and paid the good doctor a visit. Now, Macy recalls, quote, I asked him if there was any cause for concern, and he just said, no, there isn't. He showed me his certificate book that he issues death certificates in, the cause of death in, and his remarks were nothing to worry about, uh, saying very, very matter-of-factly, quote, you've nothing to worry about, and anybody who wants to inspect this book can do so. So it was mi- yeah. Mr. Dr. Shipman. Basically, he said, I'm an open book. Here you are. Read it all. You can have any yeah. documents you want. I'm an open book. Here's my book. You know, everything's going to line up, and I'm I'm just a good person. I'm just, yeah. I'm here to do what I was put on this earth to do just doing my doctrine yeah just doing my doctrine but whatever dr shipman said to mr massey was enough to reassure him and tell and pretty much put his mind at ease so after being questioned the undertaker took no further action but his daughter debbie was not so readily appeased and she found an ally in dr susan booth now dr susan booth was from a neighboring practice. She had gone to the funeral directors to examine a body. British law requires a doctor from an unrelated practice to countersign cremation forms issued by the original doctor. And they are paid a fee for this service, which some medics clin- cynically call cash for ash. Mm. Are you kidding me? Cash for ash. But Debbie told Dr. Booth she had some misgivings. 
Booth explained, quote, she was concerned about the number of deaths that Dr. Shipman's patients, uh, of Dr. Shipman's patients that they'd attended recently. She was also puzzled by the way in which the patients were found. They were mostly female, living on their own, found dead, sitting in a chair fully dressed, not in their night clothes, lying ill in bed, just literally looking out a window and died. Yeah. It just, it didn't make sense. Booth spoke to her colleagues, and one of them was Dr. Linda Reynolds, and she contacted coroner John Pollard. He, in turn, alerted the police. So now we have, like, a whole slew of doctors and coroners and... That are seeing red flag after red flag going, somebody has to do something. This does not... Math is not... Yeah. The math ain't mathin'. That's going to be the title of this episode. Math ain't mathin'. Math ain't mathin'. But the coroner, Mr. Pollard, wasted no time, and he alerted the police... In a virtually covert operation, Shipman's records were examined and given a clean bill of health because the causes of deaths and treatments matched perfectly. The man did his job in covering his tracks. 100%. Yes. Here it goes again that everybody is pointing the finger at him and he just gets away with it again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. One more time that he could have been stopped and wasn't. Because he did his diligence on his side. Like, I will give him the, that prop of you dotted your I's, you crossed your T's, you made sure everything lined up. Like, you did do good on that that fact. So what the police did not discover, though, was even though it looked like he was dotting his I's and crossing his T's and doing all of his diligence as a good doctor was that Shipman was actually rewriting patient records after he killed them to make it fit his his motive and his timeline to his aspect. Yeah, and there but there at the end he got he was trying to like speed things along and so let me go ahead and fill in this uh death certificate knowing that this patient's getting ready to die and he would fill it out before he went into the office and killed them. They were still living and he was writing their death certificates. Yes, because he knew that's premeditated. 100% premeditated. Like, they found that out afterwards. God, that's just... Yeah. It literally makes my skin crawl thinking of, like, this man would go home to his wife and kids. Yes. Go to bed excited for the day tomorrow because he was going to get his rocks off to taking out one of his patients. I'm going to... I'm going to go into work and mm. have my coffee. I'm going to yeah. write this patient's death certificate and then I'm off them. And then I'm going to go home to my wife and kids and have dinner and watch yeah. TV like nothing happened. Like that's how does a person do compartmentalize that in such a way to where they can find the reasoning and the okay. We will the never validation? be able to understand that because we it goes are... back to our, our conversation of looking at brains and, and asking a brain like why? Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Yep. But the quality of that investigation has been questioned because the police failed to check for a previous criminal record, nor did they make inquiries with the General Medical Council. Had they done so, Shipman's past record of drug abuse and forgery might have might well have led to a more thorough approach. The police were also very much hooded by Shipman and what he was doing, and they're like, this is the... Do- my wife and kids go and see the doc like it's what are we doing why are we looking into this man like are we really that slow that we have to pick on the one of the most well-known men in the neighborhood they probably thought we just we've done this before nothing come about why are we you know bringing this back up again yeah like why is this circling back on my desk why am i having to look at this i already know this guy's clean yeah, we've already done our diligence. Yeah, meanwhile, Shipman's like, I got you guys all fooled. Got yep. you all. He was the big bad wolf. Yep. Uh-huh. He was the big bad wolf. But then came Kathleen Grundy. Now, Kathleen Grundy was the woman who brought his empire down. She was such a great woman like i did very extensive research on her and her family yeah she was very she was so involved in her community she was such a nice person like she went not saying that everybody you know all of his victims weren't great people and good people but she had a family that did not stop no 
They just didn't. Ro- they no. didn't. She didn't just sit in a chair and die. No. There's, she. That's no. Nope. We're we're not. We're finding the reason why. And we're not gonna we're not gonna sleep well until, until we know. we do. Yeah. So they needed that closure more than anything, and that's what ultimately brought Shipman down. Now, what we're gonna be getting into, guys, is gonna probably make your your jaw drop here a little bit. So just just a heads up, because when yeah. we were watching the documentary on this, I had I was trying to find my teeth because my whole jaw was on the floor, and I'm like, what did I just watch? But Kathleen Grundy was suddenly had suddenly very suddenly passed away on june 24th of 1998 it came as such a shock to all that knew her a singularly active 81 year old she was well known to the people of hyde she was a wealthy ex-mayor she had energy to burn and was a tireless worker for local charities until the day of her death this woman woke up with purpose every single day her absence was noticed, noticed when she failed to show at the Age Concern Club. There, she helped serve meals to elderly uh, pensioners. Because the wealthy widow was noted for her punctuality and reliability, her friends suspected something had gone very, very wrong. When they went to her home to check up on her, they found her lying on a sofa, fully dressed and dead. Just just laying there like she was watching tv but the tv wasn't on yeah, there wasn't just, any drinks around her nothing she was just lying on her couch they immediately called her doctor who of course was dr shitman <clears throat> he had visited the house a few hours earlier and of course was the last person to see her alive he claimed the purpose of his visit had been to take blood samples for studies on aging, which is, I thought, very convenient because mm. she was supposed to be going to the Age Concern Club. Yeah. And he needed to take blood samples for aging. It just, what? Shipman pronounced her dead and the news was conveyed to her daughter, Angela Woodruff. Now, Angela props to her because she's the one that did not stop. She did not. The doctor told the daughter... A post-mortem was unnecessary because he had seen her shortly before her death. What? No. So that would, to me, that would be like, no, now you definitely need to do one. Because if you've seen her before she died and she was perfectly fine and now she's dead, like, you should do something because... With no signs of heart attack or anything like that, she's just, she's just dead? Yeah, no. The math ain't mathin'. It ain't mathin'. The math ain't mathin'. Following her mother's burial, Miss Woodruff returned to her home where she received a troubling phone call from solicitors. They claimed to have a copy of Miss Grundy's will. Now, hold on. Hmm. Everybody, just hold on to your shit because, wow. Okay, so earlier we said, like, he didn't have, like, he stayed at a steady pace. Mm-hmm. This was his, ooh, I'm going to go one step higher. He went one step higher, and when he did that, he got messy because he got cocky. Yeah. I think is what, this what is, happened. This is his one step higher. Yep. A solicitor herself, however, Angela's own firm had always handled her mother's affairs. Her firm held the original document lodged in 1986. Logged. Lo- I'm sorry. Yeah, that's totally a typo. My bad. <laughs> lodged. <laughs> I just cruised right through it, too. Lodged <laughs> They lost it. It housed it there. Yeah, they lost it in the cabin. <laughs> it had a babbling brook out there, a little gnome yeah. bridge. <laughs> okay. Lost it in the Hobbit house. Lost <laughs> in the burrow. <laughs> okay. Her oh. firm uh, held the original document, which was logged in 1986. The moment she saw the badly typed, poorly worded paper... Angela Woodruff knew that it was indeed a fake, and it left 386 pounds to Dr. Shipman. I was just about to say, we got to get you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And this is what she had to say about that. She said, quote, My mother was a meticulously tidy person, she later told in the Shipman trial. The thought of her signing a document which is so badly typed didn't make any sense. The signature looked strange. It looked too big. The concept of mom signing a document, leaving everything to her doctor was unbelievable. It wasn't a case of, look, she's not left me anything in her wheel. Uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't a case of, look, she's not left me anything in her will, she later said. It was a case of, 
this is not my mom's writing. This is this doesn't add up at all. My sig- her signature doesn't look right. I mean, the the I's weren't dotted and the T's weren't crossed. Initially, she wondered if Shipman was being framed because how could the good doctor do something like this? He had to be uh, a victim just as much as her mother was. But after interviewing witnesses to the will, she reluctantly concluded the doctor had murdered her mother for profit. So she came to this conclusion all on her own. So it's $490,000. Is 386 pounds? I'm sorry, 386,000 pounds is $490,000 United States dollars. That's a lot of money. Concerned about the money portion of it. She was like, this doesn't look like my mom's handwriting. Yeah. And this, why would she leave it all to her doctor? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It was then that she went to her local police. Her investigation results ultimately reached Detective Superintendent Bernard Postles, who had already been very familiar with this investigation. And now this is the second time that this name is coming across his desk. His own uh, investigation convinced him Angela Woodruff's conclusions were accurate. Now we have something that we need to look into because this doesn't look right. We officially have our first red flag in their eyes. Yes, which is a forgery. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Not not anything to do not with murder. It's just no, forgery. It's a forgery. Yes. Now, of the forged will itself, Postals would later say, quote, you only have to look at it once and you start thinking it's like something off a John Bull printing press. You don't have to have 20 years as a detective to know it's a fake. Maybe he thought he was being clever. An old lady, nobody around her. Look at it. It's a bit tacky. But everyone knew she was as sharp as a tack. Maybe it was his own arrogance. Now, Detective Postals had the oldest motive in the world, greed, to justify his future actions. To get solid proof of Kathleen Grundy's murder, a post-mortem was required, which in turn also required an exhumation, exhumation, uh, also required an exhumation order from the coroner, which means they had to go and dig up Kathleen Grundy's body after it had already been buried. They had to go and disturb her grave to pull her out of the ground so that they could investigate her body, which... Oh, that yeah, hurts. That that physically hurts me. Like, that makes me sick that this is having to happen to this woman who was robbed of her life and is now being robbed of her peace afterlife. Yeah, oh, yes. That's, yeah. that's rough. And then the family is, like, has to go through all of this. Again. Yes. Not just once, but twice. Mm-hmm. Now, something like this is a very rare occurrence for any B- British police force. One of the greater Manchester police had not experienced at all. We did not have one officer who had ever taken part in an exhumation. We asked the National Crime Squad for advice. National Crime Squad had to get involved with this. By the time the trial had begun, his team would be uncomfortably familiar with the process. Of the 15 killed, nine were buried and six cremated. Kathleen Grundy's was the first grave opened. Her body was the first of the ongoing postmortems. Her tissue and hair samples were sent to different labs for analysis, and the wait for results began. Now, at the same time, police raided the doctor's home and offices. It was a low-key exercise, but timed so Shipman had no chance of learning a body had been exhumed for a postmortem. Police had to be certain no evidence could be destroyed or concealed before their search. When the police arrived, Shipman registered no surprise. Rather, his approach was one of arrogance and contempt as the search warrant was read out. So he literally stood there cocky like, whatever. This means nothing to me. I don't care. Yeah. One time, or I'm sorry, one item crucial to police investigations was the typewriter used to type the bogus will. Shipman produced an old brother manual portable telling an improbable tale of how Miss Grundy sometimes borrowed it. So, uh, oh, she would borrow that sometimes. She would come to my office, and during her visit, she'd just type up some paperwork. Yeah, because she couldn't do it at the 
the Center for the Aging or all these other community places. That not, she was... not a wealthy ex-mayor not mm-hmm. having enough money for her own typewriter. The math. You've seen how much money she got in her bank. The math. That he was trying to get out. It ain't mathin'. It's not mathin' here. No. So. <clears throat> that was just him, his arrogance again. Yeah. He got too cocky. Mm-hmm. He got too cocky. This unbelievable story was to work against shipment, obviously. Especially when forensic scientists confirmed that it was the machine used to type the counterfeit will and other fraudulent documents. Other fraudulent documents. As in, more than one. Yeah, probably the ones that he typed up of the death certificates before the person died. Or maybe even the prescriptions. Yeah, that's fraudulent. Maybe he was even typing up the prescriptions on that too. Yeah. That typewriter was his signed, sealed fate just delivered. That's what that typewriter was singing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when toxicologist Julie Evans filed her report on the case of Miss Grundy's death, Detective Postles was astounded. The morphine, the morphine level in the dead woman's body was the cause of death. Not only that, her death would have occurred within three hours of having received the fatal dose. That is a lot of morphine. To literally just stop your heart within three hours of having that dose. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of morphine. Now, Postals later said Shipman's use of the drug was a serious miscalculation. A doctor would surely have known morphine is one of the few poisons that can remain in body tissues for centuries. Which I didn't know that. I did not. I did not know that. Uh-uh. And I was like, wow. So, like, the morphine that they gave me after giving birth to my child seven years ago mm-hmm. is still floating around in my body. Or when I got stitches. Okay, so I, you don't kill with morphine. Note to self. Note to self. I mean, I mean, for scientific purposes. Exactly. Yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> I'm going to need you to sign these papers real quick. (laughs) I'm going to need you to sign this will real quick. (laughs) Uh, Postals observed, quote, I was surprised. I anticipated that I would have had difficulty if he gave them something in a way of poison, lost in background substance. He gave insulin, which the body produces naturally as an example. It was an unexpected bonus once I had checked that Kathleen Grundy did not take it herself. Shipman would claim later that the stylish and conservative old lady was a junkie. Uh, 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 Just because he is. No. Don't mean everybody is. But that goes back to what we were saying in the first episode, too. He used that as, well, I'm an addict. I know the signs of an addict. So she's definitely an addict. And he tried to use that as his fuel for his fire. And no. 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 You got, you, you picked the wrong person to try and accuse of a junkie, dude. Otherwise, why would he hand them the typewriter and use a drug so easily traced back to him? I'm sorry. Um, Even today, psychologists speculate on the possibility that he wanted to be caught. Maybe, in a way, because he had been doing it for so long. And he had his system. We were just saying, like, he had a system that he knew he executed. He never tried to go fancy. The first time he goes fancy and gets cocky is when he gets caught. It was almost like psychologists were saying they they kind of wonder if maybe he was like, okay, I'm done. Come get me. Because it's because they can't just stop. No, they they have to be caught. Mm-hmm. They can't just be like, locked okay, up. I, I am done. Yeah. I don't have any more rocks Look. to get off. Yeah, I, I've got away with this long enough. I need to stop before I do get caught. Instead, they're like, uh. It ain't going to stop until I get caught. Yeah, come One get more. me. Come catch me, robbers. Yeah. Or coppers. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, why would he hand them the mm-hmm. typewriter and use a drug so easily traced back to him? Like, the math ain't math in here. God, it just... His whole process, it was so clean and, and neat and then just fell apart. Others believe he saw himself as invincible, believing that as a doctor, his word would never be questioned, which could also be a possibility as well. Because he had got away with it for so long. So long. They had investigated him. They had came to his office. Yep. They did say, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And his word was good. His word was law in that community. Because he got away with it. 
The detective realized the case went far beyond one death and the scope of the investigation was broadened immediately after this as well. Just which deaths to investigate became the priority. To decide a scale, they had to actually make a scale based on his patterns of his patients and how they Mm -hmm. died and then (coughs) cross-reference those passings. This is why I could never work in law. So this this detective who was going to be retiring Mm. got this case come across his desk for fraud fraud and forgery forgery. Mm -hmm. and then now it turns out that now he's not investigating one death and exhuming one body no now he's got a plethora of plethora yeah (coughs) a plethora of bodies that they're like they're making a a scale a literal like a spreadsheet yeah all of his patients who died when they died how they died how they were found and it just it was broken Mm -hmm. down um another based on their patterns yep another another column of that graph would have been those who had been cremated not cremated and had died following a shipment quote house call took the biggest precedence as well. Other issues were factored in, but obviously only uncremated bodies could yield tissue samples for examination. This is where it turned into a whole police task force having to be brought out to the cemetery at like 1, 2, 3 a.m. and digging up graves. Like This is why I could never work in law. Like You can't pay me enough to disturb a grave. I believe in witchcraft. That shit's going to come back to you. You don't mess with people after they die. No. You, no, you don't do that. Mm. No. That's how we get ghosts. No. Now, uh, slightly different criteria were applied to the next group of police for police investigation. All cremated. They were investigated mainly on the basis of known pre-existing conditions, records, uh, recorded causes of death, and then shipments presence before they died. Like, how long had it been? After he saw them or they came and saw him, was it a house call? Was it a doctor or an office call? Like, all of these Those were all the cremated bodies that they had to dig even deeper because they don't have a body to test the tissue. this is where they saw a pattern Mm -hmm. because whenever he could, the doctor had urged families to cremate their dead and had also stressed no further investigation was necessary. Just just lay them to rest. It'll you know, they're not suffering anymore. They're not dealing with this addiction anymore. Just their time is here. Just let them yeah. go to pe- mm-hmm. go at peace. That's what he would tell these families. Yeah, whether it be addiction or whether it be they're just you know, they're old, they're old. Their, their bodies just, you know, gave out, they had heart attack, mm. whatever the case is, whatever he put down for the cause of death, he was their doctor, they trusted him, they well, didn't question him. And that's what was another thing too, I mean, people typically trust their doctors, especially in great times of stress, mm-hmm. the one person that they feel they can lean on is going to be the person who helped that family member, mm-hmm. not just any Joe Schmo. No, my my mom came and saw you every other week. So, of course, you're going to know more about their health condition than I am. Like, you're yeah. a licensed professional. Yeah. After all, the causes of deaths shipment presented were rational, even though bereaved, 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 bereaved. Yeah. I, I type it. I know what it means, but I can't say it. Even though bereaved families were often surprised to learn of conditions their loved ones had never mentioned. But again, that's doctor-patient confidentiality. And he could use that as well. Mm -hmm. He gaslit these people. Oh, yeah, for sure. He gaslit them. Now, even if they had questioned the doctor, he had the computerized medical notes to prove patients had seen him for the very symptoms he cited as leading to causes of death. Police would later know he'd altered computer records to make everything match. He was dotting the I's. He was crossing the T's. Mm-hmm. Callously. I mean, smug, arrogant fucking shipman made most of these changes within hours of his patient's deaths. Yeah. Often, <clears throat> immediately after killing, he would hurry to his office and adjust his records, if he hadn't already done it beforehand. In the case of 81-year-old Kathleen Grundy, 
he reinforced his later statement that she was a morphine junkie by inventing and backdating several entries to make it look like she was coming in for help and need with this addiction. The sheer audacity in suggesting this highly respected woman had been scoring hits from drug dealers was overwhelmingly stupid. The moment he made the statement, his credibility crumbled along with his entire empire that he had built. When Shipman first encountered the computer, he was actually technophobic. He had no idea of technology. He didn't want to. It was a, too much of a challenge for this uh, genius of a man. Yeah. But <clears throat> once he reluctantly agreed to embrace the then new technology, he declared himself a computer expert. Arrogant. Yeah. Arrogant. This was consistent with his need to assert his superiority as well. But what the self-proclaimed computer whiz didn't know was that his hard drive recorded to the second every phony alteration he made to a patient's records. He had no idea that his computer had a black box. No. All computers today have a black box. Yep. You can say that you can delete it from your history. It's still there. Oh, yeah. Always there. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, yep. come on, man. Duh. Now, with this... I found an interview that was taped um, with a police officer and Dr. Shipman. So I have it here and I'm just, I have it the way that it's re uh, typed out. I'm just going to read it as is. This is where he kind of messes up and exposes himself for his lack of knowledge on technology. We're going to start, we're going to, I, uh so dumb. So the police officer said, I'll just remind you of the day of this lady's death, which was May 11th of 98. After three o'clock that afternoon, you have endorsed the computer with the date of October 1st, 97, which is 10 months prior to chest pains. Dr. Shipman said, I have no recollection of me putting that on the machine. Officer said, it's your passcode. It's your name. Shipman said, it doesn't alter the fact I can't remember doing it. Officer said, you attended the house at three o'clock. That's when you murdered this lady. You went back to the surgery and immediately started altering this lady's medical records. You tell me why you needed to do that. Shipman said, there's no answer. What? There you go. There's no, what? there's no answer. There's no answer. I'm because a brick I killed wall. Her. I am just a stone wall. You're going to get nothing mm -hmm. from me. In another recorded interview, Detective Constable Marie Snitinsky, yes, nailed it, also demonstrated how Shipman's computer trapped him as well. Following her advising, the doctor he had killed, wait, whoa, following her advising, the doctor, oh, following her advising, the doctor, he had killed a patient, 73-year-old Winifred Meller, with morphine overdose, then altered records to show a history of angina and chest pains, the police officer continued her interview, saying, quote, the levels were such that this woman actually died from toxicity of morphine, not as you wrongly diagnosed. In plain speaking, you murdered her. One feature of these statements from the family was they couldn't believe their own mother had chest pains, angina, and hadn't been informed. Dr. Shipman said, by, by whom? Officer said, by her. Shipman said, by her. Thank you. Offic <laughs> officer said, they also found it hard to believe because she didn't have a history of chest complaints and heart disease and anginia. Did she, doctor? Shipman said, if it's written on the records, then she had the history and therefore. Officer said, the simple truth is you fabricated a history to cover what you've done. You murdered her and you made up a history of angina and chest pains so you could issue a death certificate, implicate the poor woman's family, this poor woman's family, didn't you? Shipman said, no. No. Just very, like, fuck off. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Officer said, we've got a statement from a detective, Sergeant John Ashley, who works in the field of computers. He has made a thorough examination of your computer doctor and the medical records contained on it. What he's found is that there are a number of entries that have been incorrectly placed on this record to falsely mislead and to indicate this woman had a history of anginia and chest pains. 
What have you got to say about that, Doctor? Shipman had nothing to say except for nothing. (laughs) With this evidence now coming through at alarming levels, all of Shipman's credibility went completely out the window, and the full investigation on the Doctor commenced on October 5th of 1999. He was charged. I was seven years old. Oh. (laughs) He was charged with the murders of 15 women by lethal injections of diamorphine, all between 1995 and 1998. These are just some of the names, guys. We're just going to run through them um, so that you are aware of of these, these poor people. Marie West... Irene Turner, Lizzie Adams, Jean Lilly, Ivy Lomas, Muriel Grimshaw, Marie Quinn, Kathleen Wagstaff, Bianca Pomfret, Nora Natal, Pamela Hillier, Maureen Ward, Winifred Meller, Joan Melia, and Kathleen Grundy. Shipman's what really cool names for ladies I, back then. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, English people, they got the I cool like names. Yeah. Oh, meanwhile, we're over here Bianca. with S- Smith. Yeah. And and just John. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now, Shipman's legal representatives tried unsuccessfully to have the Grundy case tried separately from the others as a motive was shown by the alleged forgery of Grundy's will. But on January 31st of 2000, After six days of deliberation, the jury found Shipman guilty of 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery. Mr. Justice Forbes subsequently sentenced Shipman to life imprisonment, life imprisonment on all 15 counts of murder with a recommendation that he be subject to a whole life tariff to be served concurrently with a sentence of four years for forging forging, uh, Grundy's will. On February 11th, 11 days after his conviction, Shipman was struck off the medical register by the General Medical Council. Two years later, Home Secretary David Blunkett confirmed the judge's whole life tariff just months before British government ministers lost their power to set minimum terms for prisoners. While authorities could have brought many additional charges, they concluded that a fair hearing would be impossible in view of the enormous publicity surrounding the original trial. Furthermore, the 15 life sentences already uh, already imposed rendered further litigation unnecessary. Shipman actually became friends with fellow serial killer Peter Moore while he was in prison as well. Imagine that. Hmm... Like calls to like. Yeah. Now, of course, Shipman denied guilt, disputing the scientific evidence against him. He never made any public statements about his actions. Shipman's wife, Primmy Primrose, maintained that he was not guilty even after his conviction. She was true to the very end. Stand by your man. Oh, she did, too. Shipman is the only doctor in the history of British medicine found guilty of murdering his patients. John Bodkin Adams was charged in 1957 with murdering a single patient amid rumors he had killed dozens more over a 10-year period and possibly provided the role model for Shipman. However, he was acquitted and no further charges were pursued. Historian Pamela Cullen has argued that because of Adams' acquittal, there were no impetus to examine asserted flaws in the British legal system until the Shipman case. Hmm. So this is where we find out just how much of a pansy Shipman really was. Shipman is what he is. He's a shit. He is a shit. Fucking punk ass bitch. Yep. I, I was stunned when we found out about this. I was like, you're kidding me. This man copped out. He mm-hmm. copped out. Yeah. So, guys, Shipman actually never got to go back to in front of the judge. He hung himself in his cell at H.M. Prison Wakefield at 6.20 a.m. on January 13th of 2004 when he was 57 years old. He was pronounced dead at 8.10 a.m. Now, the way that this man did this shows that, I mean, I'll, I'll give him his dues. He was a smart cookie. 
because he timed it out to where they came, they did the cell check, and he knew he had about 10 minutes in between that time. Before another guard was going to come pass through. Yep. So that's when he executed his plan of taking himself out and hanging himself because he knew it was only going to take about three minutes to suffocate. And then they were hanging. Yeah, yeah, from hanging. So and then they wouldn't be able to do anything about it. They um, couldn't they couldn't save him. No. And he he didn't want to be saved. So a statement from his majesty's pris- prison service indicated that he had hung himself from the window bars of his cell using his bed sheets. After Shipman's death, his body was taken to the mortuary of the Medico Legal Center in Sheffield by Undertaker's van for a post-mortem examination. Westchester Coroner David Hintcliffe... West Yorkshire. uh, What did I say? Westchester. Westchester. (laughs) West Yorkshire Coroner David Hinchcliffe... Hinchliffe... Hinchliffe? Yeah. Eventually released the body to his family after an inquest was opened and adjourned shortly after. Some of the victim's family said they felt cheated, as Shipman's suicide meant they would never have the satisfaction of a confession, nor answers as to why he committed his crimes. Home Secretary David Blunkett admitted that celebration was tempting, saying, quote, you wake up and you receive a call telling you Shipman has topped himself, and you think, is it too early to open a bottle? And then you discover that everybody's upset that he's done it. Shipman's death divided national newspapers with the daily mirror branding him a cold coward and condemning the prison service for allowing his suicide to happen however the sun ran a celebratory front page headline ship ship hooray (laughs) ship ship hooray and that is dr harold shipman dr death dr death it it was a coward's way out it was but I think, you know, after... But it was also, in my eyes, that was his confession. I think so, too. I think it was... I've done... I did it. I'm just going to kill myself because I'm not going through any more trials. No, I'm not going to give anything up. I already am too stubborn to give you that satisfaction, but... And you're not going to keep hounding me, asking me, did you do it? Did you do it? Did yeah. Because no. it's not going to work. Yeah. I'm not going to give anything to you still. Mm-hmm. So I think it was very much a confession at the same time as I think... It is a coward's way out, though. I think it was definitely a coward's way out, but I also think it was very much a mixture of everything he did finally catching up with him in a way of, like... Almost a realization for him of like, oh, I really don't have a way out of this. And no, yeah, all done. Uh, yeah, I'm all done. Yeah, I done did it. I think he really, I think he really shit the bed when they started interviewing him and showing him like, dude, you are not smart with a computer. And just throwing all of these facts out to him about his black box on his computer and him just shutting down, not giving anything, but also not really like admitting to anything either he just kind of he danced Mm -hmm. and i think that's when the police really were like okay we got you like you're you're not denying but you're not admitting either and i i think that was a, a lot of it i'm i'm glad he fucked up because could you imagine he was 57 when he hung himself so he probably had like another at least 20 years Oh, yeah. That he could have kept doing this. Yeah. Could you imagine? No. <gasps> no, it's terrible. And, like, when you look at pictures of I just of find him, peace in, you know, the families actually were able to get a little bit of closure because he was convicted for, you know, quite a few of the crimes. Mm-hmm. You know, the 15 he was convicted for. Um, every All the other ones, they know he did it. They like, know that he did it. I think, I feel... But like, I just don't know, for me personally, I don't know if a conviction is actually going to find me closure. I don't think I'd ever find closure. You know, I think one of, as us as a population, we get caught up in having too much information and thinking that that's what's going to give us closure. Yeah. When instead, I think all it does is harm us more, in a way. So I think it was a blessing in disguise that a lot of these people didn't get this closure that they were really trying to hunt and hound for and they never got it. So I think it kind of almost 
okay, well, you know, my family member has been laid to rest. Now he's been laid to rest. I might as well rest my head too. Yes. And it was almost an, un, it was a dark full circle kind of yeah. thing. Like, okay, I can't do anything more. So I shouldn't sit here and just invest my whole entire life to answers I'll never get. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's very, very, it's sad, the age group that he went after. Yeah. Which is another reason why I think he killed his mom. I, I, <laughs> I don't think he killed his mom. I think he killed his mom. No. I really, really do. I, it's just, oh, <sighs> he was hard. And you know, when you look at pictures, um, guys, I'm sure if you've looked on Facebook, you saw the picture that, uh, Creepy Mickey posted onto our Facebook you look at that man and he is dead behind the eyes. Oh, there is, yes. The man had he no is. soul. It was, I'm I'm glad that's one less monster. But, you guys. Oh, the next monster. <gasps> With the closing of that monster, we're opening up a whole new box of monster on this next one. Uh, we have decided that we are going to make it a three-part episode, so we probably won't do all bi-weekly this month we'll probably push out as much as possible especially with the holiday and i won't be in town i'm actually flying up to go see my mom um for the holiday and i will be gone for pretty much two drops essentially of when we would be dropping so we're we're gonna be i'll be out of town too yeah you'll turn you're gonna be out of town too um but don't hit a bucks jags game I'm going to West Virginia. I'm hoping it's going to snow. I'm really I, hoping it's going to snow. I hope it snows for a side. I do too. I yeah. really hope so. Because Creepy yeah. Kiddo would be so excited. He's already asked me like three different times. Has it snowed? Oh, Has he it snowed? asked me when I picked him up from school. I'm so excited. Like, I'm excited, obviously, because I get to see my mom. But I am excited for him because every time we go up there, he just thrives up there. He's just outside from sun up to sundown well because he's a wild child he is like he, he is, is the actual donnie from wild thornberries 100 mm-hmm. yeah. percent. um but you guys we haven't if you've listened you know if you haven't listened you're about to be flooded on social media you know it's christmas time and everyone's getting presents and a and lot of presents. boxes lots of boxes and toys and well, everyone loves toys you know who really loved toys? David Parker Ray, the toy, toy box, box killer. killer. And that is who we are going to be covering next. And that is going to be a doozy. If you guys... We have to put palate cleansers in there. We have... Because there's... I can't just stay on that train that long. <laughs> I can't stay on that train. <laughs> like, I got to get off, explore, that's wreck. come back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's... It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. So um, that is going to be coming up for you guys. First episode, we will probably go on a bye week this coming week. So you'll hear this this Friday. We'll be off that following week to make sure we have our research just tip top um, for the first part. Because we are going to be going very in depth with that. And then we will record a palate cleanser in between part one and part two. And definitely a palate cleanser in between part two and part three. So you guys are about to get a lot of content from us, which is very exciting. Um, And we will try and get those out as soon as possible with enough time for us to make sure you're still getting, you know, the the great content that we're trying to give you. So, yeah. Uh, Thank you for uh, coming and recording in the new abode. I know. We're going to have to probably do it more often because it's so much easier here versus at my house, which is just yeah. chaos all the time. Yeah, there's not too There's bad. no click clacks from Tripod or Luna stepping on my computer. It's, oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's so nice. zen in here. It is. It's very nice. I like it. And it's not a bunch of echo, too. So, yeah. um, guys, I just said it. Um, if you guys are not familiar with David Parker Ray, please make sure that you are up for it before listening um because it's it's really really hard it's very very hard to talk about it's, this man it's a, 
Yeah, he's a sicko for sure. Yeah, so just make you'll sure get, we'll get into it. Um, yeah. just know that there's going to be there. There is a lot. There's of, a lot of warnings coming. Yes, I was just <laughs> going to say there's going to be a lot of warnings coming to you. Um, look him up, please. Make sure you're up for this kind of content. If you're not, we understand. Come back for the palate cleansers. Yes. They're going to be fun. Those will always be fun. Um, we're trying to convince Pop Pop to come on. and Oh my God. <laughs> and do a cryptid episode with us where we just name off cryptids because he's hilarious. Um, what was it? What did he? The Chupacabra. Chupacabra. <laughs> um, so... Uh, if you are interested and don't really know about Toy Box Killer, um, two podcasts that you can go and listen to would be Last Podcast on the Left and Morbid. Shout out to the girls. Oh. Um, they covered him so well. So please, 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 please make sure we will have a trigger warning in the beginning of that episode. But until then, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope that you come back because we're excited to be doing this for you. Uh, we just got all of our stats from the year and definitely we're gave us. We're killing it. We're, it definitely gave us some goals. Yeah. So I'm excited for next year and all the possibilities. Um, but until then, we hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe. To, uh, make sure you question your doctors thoroughly. Yes. And as always, we hope you creeps. Keep, keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.